Greetings. Welcome to part two of my conversation with Professor Arthur Guseni Oliver Mtambara, the former Deputy Prime Minister of Zimbabwe, a world-renowned roboticist, chartered engineer, and an academic. If you enjoy this conversation, remember to subscribe, to like, and to share. Let's get down to some work. Is there anything in particular that you, as Professor Atham Tambara, look and say, I could have done this better when I was in the GNU? The empathy piece, empathetic leadership. I mean, I can't say this enough, but sometimes we are caught up in our own visions and our own ideas. Get into the other person's shoes. You make better decisions. And don't just think about how people... Um, behave when they are with you. Mm. Also think about how they behave with other people. Mm. Because sometimes people's behavior is not a function of you, but a function of them. <laughs> so empathy, I didn't do That's enough. That's a powerful empathy. point that. I've not done enough empathy. Mm. Secondly, I should have been also be more focused on beyond the GNU. What are we going to do about this? Mm. How do we fix our country beyond the GNU? How do we make sure that the opposition has, uh, you know, a fair chance, a future beyond the GNU? Um, so th those are things I could have done differently. Um, but I was very focused, you know, I was working on things like national vision, national brand, and trying to come together, put the infrastructure master plan in place mm -hmm. and so on. Yeah. Point, so, point taken. Let, let's go to a point that I think for me is hugely important, which is overlooked. Um, this is Robert Mugabe talking to you on land. And you say, um, Robert Mugabe says, future generations will challenge this land reform program of ours. The 99-year leases will be cancelled. They will say we were not there when state land was distributed. How can one generation parcel out finite resources such as state land to itself? And you go on to say that ZANU-PF members of parliament are actually sitting on title deeds. So they are okay. See, that, that, that is one thing that uh, shocks That's huge. Robert Mugabe was very, you know, uh, reflective. He was very thoughtful about tenure. And his view was that uh, this land reform program is not sustainable because future generations will challenge it as you read out. And so what he did then was to say, how do you secure yourself? And the only way you can secure yourself is to have title. How do you get title? You pay for the land. How do you pay for the land? Where do you get the money from? Burning. That's where your friend comes in, Gono. And I want to emphasize this. People use the word burning. They don't understand what it means. Literally, if you assume that the official rate is 20 and the paro is 400, you can take 10,000 US dollars and move four times and convert 10,000 US dollars into 2 million US dollars 
and you can you can do it on a piece mm. of paper. You can show mm. that. You take your ten thousand US dollars, you buy Zimbabwean dollars. You go back, you buy, and these people during the days of Gono were able to generate US dollars this way. And how do you use your US dollars? You chase the farmer from the farm. Mm. They go and live in a shack in South Africa, in Australia, in England. They're broke. They can't pay school fees for their kids. You approach them. How much is your farm worth? Oh, my farm is worth 15 million. No, we never give you 15. We'll never pay. How about 4 million? And the desperate white farmer thinks about it for a second, takes the $4 million and hands over title. And by the way, this has been confirmed by a commercial farmer in another interview that he knows of 350 farms whose title was taken from them and given to these guys through a transaction. But are those titles valid? You tell me. Exactly. You tell me. But the bottom line is rule of law. Either you believe in title or you don't. You have title. You can't have it both ways. You have title for your car, you have title for your house, title for land. So when a new regime comes, when Chamisa is president, whoever, Trevor is president, you're going to have a hard time taking people's title because you'll be doing what Mgabe did to these white people. So anyway, but the thing I'm emphasizing is that they carried out the land reform program. They talk about the 99 lease and they don't believe in it. And they are secured through title. They believe they are secured, is what oh, I yeah, want to say. Yeah, okay, that's, we, I, I can concede to that yeah. point. But um, it was very interesting to see him. But being, essentially, mm. uh, Prof, I, I must push this point. Essentially, mm. what you are saying, what you, we are both saying, is that the land issue is not resolved. Not at all. And also, it uh, is full of hypocrisy. The average army commander, the average lawyer, judge, the average, you know, ZANPF supporter is holding a 99 list. Mm. The generals, the judges, the ministers, ex-ministers are holding on to title. So their circumstances are different from the person holding a title. Mm. And not only that, the numbers... Bona goes to court with his with her husband and talk about 21 farms. Now, let's be conservative and say Rogwan Gabi had 40 farms. I'm being conservative. I mean, if, if Bona has 21, 21, what about Chatunga and, uh, and Robert Jr.? So let's put 40 as a number, a working number. So if the leader of a corrupt system has 40, what about the deputy? Chiwenga and Mamjuru, Munangagwa, the judges, the generals, are you telling me they've won each and the top guy has got 40? We are not that naive. So these guys have serious numbers of farms. But not only that, they're holding title. And you know, since I've said this, no one has challenged it. And No one has challenged it because it's it's the the truth. The the important point that you're saying, Mm. Prof, there, and push back if you may, for me is that this election is not so much about power. This election is about protecting the stolen wealth. Without doubt. And that's why these guys will not go away quickly. Because there's so much at stake. Because all these things will come out. We're making statements, but if there's a new regime, we can go to and check out the titles and registries and so on. So you're very correct. 
the reason why we have this appetite to stay on and on and on and rig elections to stay on is to protect stolen goods. Mm. Prof, you have paid a price for speaking out. You've been persecuted, you've been arrested, you've been detained. Talk to us in a nutshell about that experience. What was it like? Very educational. Um, what see, have you done to start? With? Well, it was, it was the UZ one, uh, 1989, uh, October 4. All oh, right. I actually was injured, you know. You know, the, these guys wanted to capture me quietly at 3 a.m. Lucky enough, I had this habit of studying at night. I would go to bed at 7 and wake up at 12 and sit. So they came at 3 a.m. and I was sitting on my desk. Is that the one that Robert Mugabe made a statement uh, about? It was jumping out of the windows. <laughs> because what I did... Sorry, was, I laugh, but this is serious <laughs> stuff. But this yeah. is, yeah. So, so I was injured, actually. and uh, But I was trying to make sure someone knows I've been taken. Because they wanted to take me quietly. Because I, I didn't share a room. As president of the SRC, I had my own private room. And that was actually a problem because they were going to take me without anyone knowing. But lucky enough, because of the commotion yeah. after jumping through the window and getting injured, the whole university was alive. And then there were about 300 armed men that took me from the UZ and they took me to, uh, to Mazoe. And that time there were no cell phones. Eh? So rumor went around the country that I'm dead. And villagers actually collected, uh, you know, chema, you know, in the village, you know, condolences. And they had to send back that money when uh, the information came out that I was alive. But it was an interesting, that was 1989. Mm. And then of course, when I was with my colleagues, we got arrested, Chikurubi. How was that? So, How was that? It was interesting, but you know, when you go to prison or you're detained for a political cause, it's very liberating. Because you're not going there as a thief or as a crook. You're going there because of your views. So you are very emboldened. It strengthens yes. your resolve. And, and, and you can handle everything. And also you can even start mobilizing the thieves and crooks in there and give them political education. Um, so it is a very educational process. And what brings you to prison will keep you alive. Mm. Because and when it's you your get out, you're stronger. Am I right? Correct. Because without a doubt. Without a doubt. Because your convictions, your convictions are reinforced. And Nangago should know this. So this is why I don't understand this. I don't understand. And also another thing is when you go in, the way they break you sometimes is by giving the impression that you're going to go out. I remember when we were locked up as students, they would say, ah, tomorrow we're going to get bail. And we'd get excited and they shut down the bail. So the idea you should use is to say, I'm not going out, I'm staying. So that if you get out, that's a bonus. Mm. But if you stay, it's expected. Mm. So they're just to break your spirit. You must never allow them to break your spirit. Yeah? Yeah. It's very important. And yeah. of course, then you work out and do exercises. Your health is very important. In fact, yeah. that's one thing in my book. Preserve the asset. Mm. The most important asset you have is your health. Mm. Your money don't matter. Your education, your power. If you die, it's all gone. Mm. Preserve the asset. The most important asset we have is our physical health and our mental health. Prof. What a conversation. We take another break. Uh, we will be back and I want us to go to Ukraine. I want us to revisit Gukuraundi and hear what your views are uh, on that very important issue. So please don't go away. Join us on the other side. Mugabe, the Machiavellian mm. operator, mm. understood the importance of information and he was the most informed of all of us. 
Welcome back to our conversation with uh, Professor Atham Tambara. Prof, I, I couldn't uh, resist um, laughing. Uh, your uh, encounter with uh, Tendaibiti uh, in cabinet after Tendaibiti uh, presents a budget and f uh, deliberately, um, you know, does something with the numbers. T talk to me about that and the way you brought it up and, and the reaction of uh, your colleagues. Yeah, it was just an interesting uh, interaction where some questions I had raised were not answered and uh, they'd see the implications. You know, one was that uh, there was going to be a cut on the budget for the army and uh, the army was going to have well, like one, one mil a day or something like that. And then there was a cut on the budget for the OPC, which means Mugabe wasn't going to the UN or, you know, the AU. And, and um, Mugabe missed it. And so when I raised it, Mugabe um, got very furious, you know, pointing a finger at me, taking his against you and all that. And then, uh, of course, uh, Mamu Juru tries to come in, Shona, you know, excited. And of course, um, Nangago also had missed it and tried to say, oh, I'd seen it. And people laughed at him, you've not seen it. So basically, it's the dynamics among colleagues, the dynamics among a team of rivals. So I, I thought I could share that to yeah, show. Yeah, and I like the, what you mm -hmm. then say, mm -hmm. because... It, there's also an, an, an incident where it's clear that Tendai Beauty had been talking to, to, to Robert Mugabe without uh -huh. his colleagues. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And you say, wow, so Tendai Beauty had been talking to Robert Mugabe about the acute and sharp differences in the MDCT. So this brings to me to the point that even within the GNU, the Machiavellian Robert Mugabe was uh -huh. trying to manipulate you guys. Yeah. And Tendai Beauty had been drawn in somewhat. Talk to me about and, and that. It's, it's a general point where Mugabe was the most informed of all of us. Why? Because he's talked to everyone. In ZANU, he spoke to Mamjuru and Mnangagwa. In MDCT, he spoke to Changrai, he spoke to Biti. In my party, he spoke to me and spoke to Washburn. So when we were sitting in a meeting situation, Mugabe was the most informed of all of us. Because in our factions, we're not talking to each other, but he was talking to everyone. So the the issue raised there is a case where the Minister of Finance had had a little bomb at his house and uh, was asking for security. So he sends uh, Changirai to ask for security from Mugabe. Mugabe says, what? Minister Biti is more comfortable among my own people like Silva Kasukwere and Gochi, and is not happy among you because, in other words, he knew of the differences within the MDCT between Changirai and Biti. And he used it against us, and we were, you know, we could, we, we were speechless. Anyway, the, the most important message is that Mugabe, the Machiavellian mm, operator, mm. understood the importance of information. And he was the most informed of all of us because he spoke to all factions. Mm. And then he would use the information, you know, as and when he wanted to, um, you know, to, to, to defray and, 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 and carry out uh, his. Uh, his agenda. So it was about information. And so in the book, you see him uh, use that strategy. Yeah. Information Quite a is number power. of times. Yeah. yeah. Information and is and power. tell me what, yeah. on a bigger national issue, mm. Gukura Wundi. Yes. I get the sense that you, you, are, you, you raise the issue of, uh, you know, the Ndebele is always complaining and that kind of stuff. What's your view of the Gukura on the issue? Where we are right now, mm. the way it's being handled. Mm. Uh, I, I I don't raise the issue of the bell as always complaining. My view is very simple. 
we must have restitution, we must have restoration, we must have compensation, but it must be victim-based. Those communities affected must be consulted on what they want. We should they, not dictate no, to them. No, we should not be prescriptive, we should not patronize them. They must tell us what they want. And so whatever restoration, whatever restitution, whatever compensation must be coming from the people of Matebeleland. Mm. Maybe they want the truth. Maybe they want the identification of the perpetrators. Mm. Maybe they want effective devolution. Maybe they want $2 billion, not $1 billion. Mm. That will come from a conversation with the communities. Maybe they want birth certificates for their yeah, children. As basic as that. So my view is very simple. It was a terrible indictment of our nation when we did that. And we must redress it in a manner that is determined and driven by the affected communities. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and also Mugabe in my book, I also talk about his views. He was very pejorative about Gokurahundi. Mm. He felt that no, historically, the Debelles also did us mm. injustice. Mm. He talks about how his father mm. went to mm. Debele land and uh, he had to hide under a bed and so on. He was very um, archaic. Uh, and also he argues that in Kiruka Kukuni, there were also uh, mistakes on both sides. He accuses uh, uh, Kaunda of sending arms to Ngomo when Ngomo was now in government and so on. Mm. Anyway, but my views are very simple. Let us listen to the victims of Kukurahundi. Mm. Let us listen to the communities involved in this situation. They should lead the process. Mm. And as a nation, we fall. And also remember, the agenda should be never again. Yeah. You can't achieve never again without the truth. Mm. You can't achieve never again without justice and identification of perpetrators. Mm. Tell me, Mutambara chieftaincy, uh -huh. shifting the subject completely. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> the Mutambara chieftaincy, um, the, the chiefs have been abused by yeah, ZANU um, to advance its, uh, its, its, its agenda. How does the Tambara uh, chieftaincy sit? Are you comfortable with where it's it is? It's also problematic. Is, is the last bona fide chief died in 2013. Right. Up to now, it has not been resolved. There have been people contesting and so on. But uh, about three weeks ago, they identified the bona fide chief, but it's not been... Uh, are you happy with that solution? I think so far, the okay. people are happy there. Okay. But again, in the book, I talk about how when the chief was chosen in Tambara, someone heard, uh, was hiding the letter. And uh, Mugabe, which shows again, there was an issue in the government of where people were hiding Mugabe's letters. And so this letter to appoint Chief Mutambara was hidden by somebody. And then in one of my meetings with Mugabe, I was just saying, President Mugabe, why are you hiding Mutambara's letter? What's happening? And he stood up and called Kamwe in. He says to Kamwe. Lawrence Kamwe. What did I tell you about hiding my letters? I told you, don't hide my letters. Which means there was a fundamental problem within the system of manipulating Mugabe by hiding documents mm. from him. Mm. Again, the coup plotters have been working for a long time. Even during GNU, they are, but he was now old by hiding documents and so on and so forth. I must, I must ask you, before we move, a, a very a leadership issue mm -hmm. that relates to you. There's a part of me that worries about you because you are very intelligent. There will be a tendency to look down upon uh, anybody else that is not as educated as you. Um, what lessons have you learned as far as leadership is concerned? Because 
I would, I would be concerned that this man is potential to be a Robert Mugabe. He's, he's very intelligent. There are traces of arrogance and that kind of stuff. Is there anything that has humbled you in love that has taught you to say, in spite of my intellect, I can go down to the grassroots and, and engage and engage at a level that's empathic, empathetic yes, to use exactly. your word. Leadership is not just about intellect. Intellect matters. But leadership is about the collective, collective leadership. Leadership is about collective success. We must succeed together. And so your intellect helps you, but it's not enough for you to make a difference. You must understand that the team mm. is more important than the individual. So I've learned that, yes, people must be intelligent. Yes, people must be intellectual, but it's a necessary but not sufficient condition for progress. The team, the collective is more important. The impact. And you would give in to the team. Correct. With your intellect. I'll, I'll, I'll put a premium on the team. Okay. I'll put a premium on collective leadership. I'll put a premium on collective success. Mm -hmm. And that can then mitigate any excesses that can come from arrogance <laughs> and personal <laughs> achievement. Right. Let's go to arrogance and personal achievement. <laughs> you, you have written a number of books, Prof, and uh, absolutely admire you for the work that you've done. Uh, you are an example of, uh, you know, um, hard work and, uh, you know, um, recording. Uh, the work that you've done. You have a book coming out, Design and Analysis of Control Systems. You have another book. Uh, is this a book? This is a, a, a book uh, that inspires me. That, ins that inspires yeah. you. So mm -hmm. let go of mm -hmm. that. To tell me, should we be worried about artificial intelligence? I suspect, I suspect you're going to cover this, yes. this book, yeah? Yes and no. Right. Yes, because there are existential challenges. There are existential risks that are involved in this thing. There are dangers. No, because there are also opportunities. What is important is to make sure that the technology is owned by the people, mm. by the majority and not a few people. What is important is to make sure the technology is used to solve our problems around education, around the economy, around poverty alleviation, around climate change. There are huge opportunities to use artificial intelligence to solve the problems of our people to improve the quality of life of all the people, to improve education, to improve financial literacy, to drive infrastructure, to improve the quality of life of ordinary people. But Those are the opportunities. Right. The, dangers the dangers are one jobs. Mm. There is going to be job displacement. But there's also the modification of jobs. Mm. There's also new jobs. So the challenge is to make sure that the modified jobs plus the new jobs outweigh the displaced jobs. It's not guaranteed. That's your job and my job mm. to make sure that the new jobs we create using technology, the jobs that are modified by technology, we combine those and together they're more than the destroyed jobs. Mm. That is where it requires people who care about people mm. to say, let us use this technology to drive the agenda of the people. Another danger is existential. Come on. You know, if you look at ChatGPT, ChatGPT right now. Frightens me. Right now, Trevor, there's no human being in this planet Earth 
who has the same level of general knowledge as ChatGPT. If you go and type, ask who is Trevor Nube, it gives you an answer. Who is Joe Biden? It gives you an answer. Who is Snoopy Doggy Dog? You know, and what is and uh, not even that? What, what is what is what is, uh, what is Professor Mtambara thinking about Trevor? It will find yes. out. And so what we're saying is there's potential for artificial intelligence or these machines to be smarter than the smartest human being. We've not gotten there yet, mm. but it's not impossible. Now, once we get that, we get what we call super intelligence. Mm. Now, once you have super intelligent agents, now, why would a super intelligent entity submit itself to a human being who is inferior? So is there a danger that these agents will take over the world? You know, as an engineer, I say, uh, we don't know. You know, as engineers, we don't say never. You know, we are always experimenting mm. with things and so on. Mm. So look, there are existential dangers. There are potential challenges, but there are also opportunities. Opportunity. What is important is mm. to maximize on the opportunities. What is important is to put the human being and say, why don't we improve the quality of our lives using technology? But more importantly, why don't you have the human being and the machine working together? Mm. What we call human augmentation. Not the machine replacing the human being, but working together. Human augmentation. The medical doctor and the machine so, doing medicine. So, so the, the roboticist in yes. you yes. cares about human beings. Yes, certainly, certainly. But I also love technology. And I will not moralize about, ah, we can't create a human being because God won't be happy. I will not do that. If I can create a human being, I'll create him. You know, this is where we differ. We become ethical and religious. As a scientist, I'll be very interested in, in building Trevor. You know? Uh, whereas fortunately, I, 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 fortunately <laughs> you'll never do that. <laughs> Prof, um, what about, Prof, uh, the danger of uh, artificial intelligence falling into the wrong hands? Terrible. Aha, uh -huh. we call them bad actors. Bad actors. That's going to happen. That's a major, you see, uh, people must understand the danger. And let nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons are so complicated. You and I can't get access to nuclear weapons because the bad actors can get nuclear weapons and nuke the world. That will never happen because nuclear technology is very complicated. AI is not. AI is pervasive. AI is everywhere. So it's very easy for AI to get in the hands of bad actors. Mm. And these bad actors can then destroy communities, destroy the environment, destroy the world. That's a major concern. I'm glad you brought that up. Where so what technology... do we do? Regulation. There's talk now about regulation, Prof. And there's, they're slowing down from the I, AI uh, promoters to say, hold on, we're creating something that is, that is worrying. Talk to me, how do we, where are you as far as regulation is concerned? There's a limit to which you can go with regulations. You know, uh, once a technology has been invented, you can't uninvent it. Once the genie is out of the bottle, you can put it back there. So unfortunately, regulation can play a part, but it is its limits. It's and out already. It, yeah. So, so you can moderate. I know the Europeans have come up with an AI regulatory framework. The Americans are working on it. That's one thing I'm trying to do. We're working on AI regulations for Africa, a pan-African framework to regulate AI in Africa, to regulate within the fourth industrial revolution. Because the Europeans are doing something, they've done a, a framework, and the Americans are working on it. We are working on a pan-African 
AI regulatory framework. But I must emphasize that there's a limit to which you can go with these things because you can't uninvent. What and also, and also, and also, bad actors won't follow your regulations anyway mm. because they're bad actors. Mm. So anyway, it's an exciting, great expectations and also anxiety. Great yeah. yeah. Let, let's go to something that you've already hinted on. I've seen your views vis-a-vis the war in um, uh, in Ukraine. I've seen your views around Pan-Africanism. I mean, I get excited about Pan-Africanism, but I'm one of those people who look at it and say, but yeah, it's going to take us a long time. We've been talking about it sure. a long time. Indeed, it, it will happen. Where do you stand as far as the war in Ukraine is concerned? This war is unnecessary. And this war is unwinnable. You never win a war against a nuclear power. It has never happened in history. So this won't be the first time that we have Ukraine win a war against a nuclear power. No, they have to talk. They must look for an honorable peace, an arrangement where the protagonists sit down. In the end, they will talk, but I'm worried that many people are going to die before they talk. Right now, we're talking about 400,000 Ukrainians who've died, and of course, Russians have died as well. So NATO, the US, and Europe must not be encouraging Ukraine to fight. They should be trying to come but up that's with that's exactly what they're doing. Yes. They're equipping yes. and arming Ukraine. And knowing very well that it's unwinnable. Why do I say that? <laughs> you drive, if a win would mean driving the Russians out, moving to Moscow, taking out Putin. Just like we did in the Second World War. We went into Germany, Hitler was taken out, he committed suicide. We went into Germany, General Toljo was taken out. That's a victory. With the nuclear power, you can't have a victory. That's why Biden is very careful in terms of going to war with Russia. America and Russia at war is a nuclear war. No one wins. It's called mutually assured destruction. So knowing that, we should say, Ukraine can't win. The best thing that can happen is the implosion of Russia, where there's a coup d'etat in Russia. Putin is taken out. A new regime takes over and says, we are pulling out of Ukraine. That was Putin's war. And the oligarchs, you know, the Russian, you know, uh, mafia, whoever is in charge there, says, okay, now we're pulling out of the war. It was Putin's war. But the likelihood of that is very little. And at what cost? So the most rational approach to the war is to guarantee the security of Russia. It's a nuclear power. Can you imagine if, uh, you know, uh, the Americans are fighting Mexico? And the Chinese come into back Mexico and say, no, we're backing Mexico and we're going to make Mexico part of the uh, Chinese empire. Would the Americans allow that? No, they wouldn't. So why would the Russians allow uh, Ukraine, who's bordering with them, to become part of NATO? Anyway, look, what I'm simply saying is we must understand the needs and requirements of nuclear powers. They have their own rules. And those rules involve spheres of influence. But anyway, the bottom line is let Ukraine and Russia talk. Where do you stand as far as the the African delegation? uh, Naive, Mm. naive and very uh, naive. You are going to Ukraine to stop the war in Ukraine. You've done nothing about Sudan. Shame on you Africans. You go and tell them, we are hungry, we need grain. Please fight this, we can have grain. Why can't you talk about geopolitics and bigger issues? So firstly, the agenda was mistaken. Two, 
the arguments were primitive. We must be solving the war in Sudan. Who is uh, brokering a peace? The Americans are brokering a peace deal in Sudan. Where is the IGAD? Where is ECOWAS? Where is the African Union? Where is SADAC? Where are they? Charity begins at home. They're nowhere to be found. They're going to Ukraine. So anyway, um, I respect their efforts for negotiations. That I respect. But, um, you know, we must, charity begins at home. And also, why don't you operate as a continent, you know, coming to Pan-Africanism? Yeah. We must always be thinking about 1.4 billion Africans with a collective GDP of $2.5 trillion. Negotiate as a block with China. Negotiate with India as a block. Don't go and do mega deals as little Zimbabwe. What mega deals can you strike <laughs> as little Zimbabwe? But as a continent, yeah. you can negotiate with Russia with China, with America, with Europe. Yes, we've been talking about it for a long time, but um, it has never been more important because now of globalization, yeah. numbers make a difference. The reason why you have a successful China is because of the numbers. So the numbers are part of the success story of, of China. And of course, technology and leadership. Tell me, um, does Professor Mtambara have presidential ambitions in Zimbabwe. Will, are we likely to see you come back into active politics? We, we need to challenge that question. Success should be about many things, not just running for office. We must be successful journalists. We must be successful business people. We must be successful academics. We must be working in communities. So the definition of success must be broader than running for council, running for parliament, running for president. I have so many skills. Right now, I'm trying to address the challenges around climate change, around AI, I'm writing books, you know. That in itself should be part of the definition of success. Running for the president of Zimbabwe is part of success. Yeah. But not the only definition of success. I keep my options open. I retired, you know, and left these other guys to try and do it, and they're failing. So maybe I have to come out of retirement. But I'm emphasizing Precisely. that. Precisely. So my question there, Prof, uh, I hear you 100%. My pushback, would, okay. it's not even a pushback, Prof, is to say, do you think you're now much more, you, do, where do you think you're much more impactful? Where yeah. you are now okay. or into politics? That's a very good point. And this is my attraction to politics. Politics or political activism gives you a broader platform in terms of impact. When you are in cabinet, you're affecting more lives. When you're running a country, you're affecting more lives. When you're in SADC at a leadership level, you're affecting a region. You know, so that is my attraction, if you're to ask me to politics. Because you can do rocket science, you write books, it's almost like micro impact. And um, yes, you can touch lives. But the political platforms allows you to touch more lives. You've answered my question. Let's um, <laughs> let's go to books now. You've 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 done quite a number of books. You have written. Uh, Decentralized Estimation and Control for Multi-Senses. You have uh, written the, 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 the three ontologies. 
the economic. This this is one of the books that inspires you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I've I've, I've done six design books. Design and analysis mm-hmm. of control systems. Yeah. Walk let me, us let me talk about. Books. Yeah, I, I've done six books, three engineering books, and then three political books. The political books are my three volumes. And the engineering books are the first one is Decentralized Estimation Control for Multi-Center Systems. That's my first engineering book. The second book is Design and Analysis of Control Systems. The third engineering book is the one that's building now on artificial intelligence to come come in in September. Mm. So in terms of my productivity, Mm. I've done six books. Mm. And I'm still going. I've got two more coming. Well done. My target is eight. I've got two more Mm. uh, in the making. Wonderful. Wonderful. Shall we go to the books that Inspire you. Yeah. Um, you are at liberty to do two or three or okay, four. Sure. Which one? Yeah. Shall we go um, 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 over um, them? Um, um, in general, I like autobiographies. Yeah. I like activists or political leaders who have written. You know, Malcolm X, you know, uh, the Panthers, Black Liberation Movement, yeah. Yeah? Angela Davis, uh, Che Guevara. Mm. Uh, Castro, any, to some extent. Any specific yeah. book about from Angela Davis? Oh, there's a good book that has just come out in yeah. 2022 mm-hmm. called um, uh, it's 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 on it's on on the prison system, the prison system, uh, abolition, mm-hmm. feminism now, mm. abolition, feminism now. It's a new book from Angela Davis. She's written so many books, but that one is is a classic because she's pushing this framework called intersectionality, mm. where you must analyze race, gender, and class together. Mm. Don't say I'm fighting for racial equality. I'm fighting for gender justice. I'm black class. Uh uh-uh. uh. They are connected. They're interrelated. Mm. Intersectionality, and she's targeting the prison industrial complex. Mm. But it's called abolition. Feminism now. now. But my three books that I want yeah, to, uh, yeah, to please, push let's go there. to your yeah, viewers. Yeah. There's a book called Rewired. Mm-hmm. By, Did you uh, bring it here? No, it's, you don't it's, have it. There's, uh, oh, it's, it's this one. Uh, Rewired. Right. Yeah. yeah. This book is a guideline or a playbook by McKinsey and Company. The most influential consulting firm in the world. What they've done, they've put their work together over the years to give a guide on how to navigate and flourish under the AI and digital revolution. This is a must get for everyone, mm. CEOs like Thank yourselves. Thank you very much. It is about how do you navigate, how do you flourish mm. under the digital and AI revolution? Six things that they emphasize. Mm-hmm. One, you must have a transformation roadmap for your AI uh, strategy. You must think about talent. You must have a talent strategy to get talent and keep talent. Mm. Number three, you need a new operating model under AI and digital. Number four, data. You need data and analytics. Data must be everywhere in the organization. Data must be usable. Mm. Number five, innovation must happen everywhere in the organization. Mm. Distributed technologies that allow you to have innovation. Number six, you must have effective adoption of technology leading to scaling. So that's a Bible for business people. Rewired. You must look for that book. It's it's a 2023 publication. Mm. Number two book Mm. is called The Crisis of Democratic Capitalism by Martin Wolf, Mm -hmm. who is a chief commentator from the Financial Financial Times. Times. Yes. This is a tour de force. Basically saying that, look, capitalism has changed its form. Mm. The way we are experiencing capitalism has changed. 
There are two strands. Mm. One is called chronic capitalism. Mm. This argument is that in America and Europe, it's no longer democratic capitalism, where capitalism is delinked from power. It is now chronic capitalism, where you have these oligarchs, where you have the, the democracy has become a plutocracy. Mm. Democracy dominated by the rich. So Europe, America is now what we call chronic capitalism. Then the other strand is authoritarian capitalism. That's your Middle East, your mm. Qatar, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, and also Singapore, Malaysia, in particular China. That's authoritarian capitalism. Now, he's inviting us to rethink capitalism. Whether you're opposed to it or support it, the game has changed. Mm. Because, for example, authoritarian capitalism in China has managed to bring 400 million people out of poverty. Mm. So what do you have to say mm. about that? Mm. And now they are the second biggest economy in the world and they're going to overtake America using authoritarian capitalism. What are your views? Mm. It's a very interesting book. Interesting book. Yeah. The other book? The other book is uh, called Economic Government of the World. Mm -hmm. You've brought it Economic here. Government mm. of the World by Martin Doughton. He's a professor of economic history, and I know he did economic history. Yeah. That's your man there. <laughs> so he's a professor of economic history from Cambridge. He's looked at how the world has been governed from 1933 to 2023. 90 years of the management of the world in terms of the economy. The Depression, the Second World War, the post-Second World War, IMF, World Bank, the UN, globalization, climate change, how the big powers have influenced the events from 1933 to 2023, and also the issue of the global south. Mm. Can we have a just and equitable globalization? Mm. Can we have globalization that benefit the poor? Can we have globalization that help Africa, that drive Africa, that drive our agenda? So it's a very interesting book. That it sounds at, like. Yeah, it's yeah. called The Economic Government of the of world, world from 1933 to 2023. Your last book? So, so my, my, my last book is the one we've already talked about, which okay. is our uh, Angela Davis. Angela Davis, Davis. book, yeah. Yeah, activist and writer. But I'll close everything with uh, my friend Michelle Obama. All right. Uh, the new book is called The Light Within Us, yes. which is also now about how we should not be. My wife for, is reading that book. Is that? Yeah, she shares. Don't, don't, don't look for validation outside. Mm. Look inside and use that to inspire other people. Mm. How do you survive adversity? How do you handle uncertainty? She was inspired during COVID to write that book. It's a bunch of essays about the way she handled adversity and uncertainty, the light within us. And then, of course, we must read that together with her book, Becoming, Becoming. It's a biography. I, I must ask you, now that you've raised this issue, have you ever failed, point number one, and point number two, how do you deal with adversity? You know, it, it, I, I've certainly failed, um, and uh, we learn more from failure than from success. Failure is an opportunity to learn. In fact, the dictum is fail fast, succeed sooner. You know, without failure, there will be no creativity. Without failure, there will be no innovation. 
You but, know, but we laugh at people who fail. It's a mistake because failure is a school. Failure is education. And um, if you're afraid of failure, you will never succeed yes. because you never try. Absolutely. In other words, they say you, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Absolutely. So we must encourage failure so that people can experiment. Mm. People can innovate and produce new, pro new products. Mm. So in my life, you know... How uh, do you deal with adversity? Yes. Again, by looking inside. Mm. How that, do you do that? By realizing that there is light within you. That do you have a process of doing that, Prof? That you can share with our viewers? I, I think what is important is to look within yourself, understand your strength, and also realize that um, this failure might be the best thing that has happened to you. Because you know what? There's some things that will happen because of that failure, mm. which if you had not failed, you would not have actually gone through that path. And sometimes uh, failure is an opportunity, you know? And also the saying that says what? Uh, that which does not kill you can make you stronger. You know, failure when you die, I mean, that's, that's kind of... That's extreme. the end of it. That's it. But where, if you survive... Mm. There's an opportunity. What are the lessons yeah. from that? That which does not mm. kill you can make you stronger. Mm. And we must, in our organizations, as you run your AMH, encourage people to fail. You know, <laughs> in fact, incentivize them. But the problem is that people are penalized. So they For don't failing. experiment. They don't experiment. They don't innovate. Yeah. So organizations must have a tolerance. Of Actually, we call it spectacular failure. You know, failure that is creative. But sometimes some failure is kind of destructive. But yeah. failure in general must be tolerated and encouraged. Prof, what a pleasure having okay, you. Thank you. You and I have been wanting to do this for a yes. long time. I hope it was worth uh, the um, it was worth the wait. Thank uh, you so much. Do you have any parting shot for our viewers out there? It's very important that as Zimbabweans we understand that no one is coming to save us. We are the change we seek to see in Zimbabwe. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We must become masters of our own destiny. Globally, the same as the Africa level. Africans must become the change they want to see in the continent, and we must step up to the plate and make a difference. But more importantly, as we activate, as we do things in academia, in industry, as we uh, political players, we must document and write. We must make sure that our views are documented, our experiences are documented, because that's how we can share and learn from experiences. Mm. And also we document for posterity. So documentation is divine. And let us all step up to the plate and become the change we seek to see in Zimbabwe and the continent. And nobody's coming to save us. No. Perhaps we, we are, are saviors. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Prof, thank you so much. What a pleasure chatting to you. Allow me now, Prof, to tend to our viewers who are all over the world who follow this show. Uh, we're out every Monday, uh, 7 a.m. Central African time on YouTube. To ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations, I invite you to click on the subscribe button and subscribe. When you subscribe, if you subscribe, you'll get an alert uh, when we have one of these quality conversations. We have gone a step further, by the way. We have created a hub for you, a website where all our conversations sit from the day we started up to now. So go in there and binge as much as, as, much as you, you like. 
We see your comments below, the comments as to who should come onto the show, criticism uh, and praise. We value all that. Keep, keep it all coming. Until next time, cheers to you all.